0: I'm Derek Walker, I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and today we're going to continue a series called Dual Imminence. You may not have even heard that before, but this is part two in the series, and imminence is a very important teaching in the New Testament. A major teaching of Christ and his apostles is that Christ's coming for his church is imminent. That means he could come at any time. His coming will be unexpected, there won't be any signs, there won't be any warnings. No predicted events necessarily have to happen first. The timing of His coming, in other words, is God's secret. Uh, No man can know in advance. We can make guesses, but we can't know when He's coming in the rapture. And God's purpose in this is that we should live constantly ready, waiting, watching for his coming. That's the language the New Testament uses. You know, if we knew exactly when Jesus was going to come and we knew he isn't going to come for a time yet, then you know, what's the point in watching and waiting and all of that? And, and so he says we are to be constantly alert, watchful, ready for his return, eagerly waiting for him. In other words, it keeps us on our toes and it motivates us in our witnessing, in our holiness. Uh, in our life. And when we study the scriptures on imminence, we discover that there are two events actually that are imminent. First of all, the rapture of the church, and secondly, the start of the day of the Lord, which is a time of divine judgment on the earth that lasts at least seven years because it includes the 70th week of Daniel and it's also known as the tribulation and the end of the age the consummation of the age the final period of the age when god brings all things to their climax and so this this uh is called dual imminence that both the rapture of god's his coming for the church in the rapture is imminent and the start of the day of the lord judgments is imminent they could happen at any time and they'll suddenly happen and break forth at any time and because both of these things are imminent it follows they must be simultaneous because if one came before the other then the first one would be a clear sign of the other one, and so the, other one, the second one wouldn't be imminent. So therefore, we can conclude that when Christ comes for his church, he also comes to initiate the day of the Lord on the earth. And, and this is important, and, and that's why there is such a massive uh, evidence for this in the New Testament teaching, and that's what we're aiming to, to look at and show to you. So therefore, we, again, we can say his coming, Christ's coming, has two purposes which are accomplished at the same time. First, he will come suddenly to bring judgment on the earth, and at the same time, he will rescue his people from that coming judgment. And that means that the tribulation will take place on the same day as the rapture, and therefore the rapture is pre-tribulational. Sometimes we see scriptures that describe his imminent coming to deliver, to rescue, to bless his people, while other scriptures describe his imminent coming to bring the day of the Lord judgments on the earth. And and some scriptures we're going to see hold both ideas together in, in a single event, as it were. Now, the foundation for this teaching, and we made a start on this last time, is the teaching of Jesus. And then that is taken up and confirmed by the Apostles, Paul, Peter, James and John. We'll see all of them before the end of this series. In Jesus' first teaching on the end times, on on his coming, uh, that's in Luke 12. And he describes his coming by two analogies. The first one is the Master returning to his home, uh, having been away and knocking on the door. And the second one is, again, talking about Christ's coming, but this time his coming is compared to the coming of a thief in the night, which is a a very surprising one. So let's go there to Luke 12 again and, and pick up from last time. Luke 12, I'm going to read from verse 35 to 38. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves like men who wait for their master, when he will return from the wedding, and that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. In other words, they need to be ready. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. So when the master comes in this one, he is coming to bless those who are faithful, who believe his words, and who believe his coming is imminent, and they are therefore watching for him. So he's coming to bless those servants. Assuredly, I say, that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or the third watch and find them so ready, uh, blessed are those servants. Here we see that the servants are to be constantly ready and watching for their master's arrival. They don't know when he's going to come. They don't know when he's not going to come. because He could come at any time. And so they have to live ready. His coming will bring blessing to the servants who believe uh, in his instructions and are faithful. And this describes his imminence in coming in the rapture to bless his faithful servants who are watching for him. Then in verse 39, he uses the analogy, the other analogy, that he's coming like a thief, which is, again, very different. Verse 39, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Now, when he says, he talks about the coming of a thief, we might think he's talking about someone else. But then the next verse makes it clear, verse 40, it says, you also therefore be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So this one who is coming, uh, that's compared to a thief, is actually the Son of Man, is Jesus coming. Uh, his imminent coming and so this is telling us that his coming will not be a blessing for all but for those unbelievers who are not watching for his return they will experience his coming as a thief in other words they will suffer loss because they were not ready and prepared for his return again his return is presented as being imminent because that's a thief isn't it he comes suddenly without warning And so for faithful believers, his coming is imminent, and it results in immediate blessing. But for unbelievers, his coming is also imminent, and it will result in immediate loss and judgment, for they will be overtaken by the events of the tribulation. And then his conclusion in verse 40 is another statement of imminence for both groups of people. Therefore, he says, you also be ready. That's the key idea you need to be ready. Are you ready? Are you ready for Jesus? If he came this moment, are you ready for him? For he says, be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour. You do not expect. Oh yes, you've got it all worked out. Have you, that Jesus can't possibly come for at least another 20 years because this, that, and the other must happen. He says right here, he confounds your human reasoning. And he says, he's coming at an hour. You do not expect. And so this applies to both, uh, both pictures. The coming of the master to, the do- to his home. The coming of the thief in the night. He's coming at an hour you do not expect. This is addressed to all people, believers and unbelievers. And so there are two reasons to make sure that you are ready for Jesus' return. First of all, if you're ready, then you will be blessed. Blessed at his return but secondly if you're not ready you will experience his coming as a thief and you will experience great loss verse 41 peter asks that actual question peter said to him lord do you speak this parable only to us or to all people and now jesus is going to develop the parable particularly of the the house Uh, master returning to his home just to confirm that this applies to all people. He expands the picture of the master returning suddenly to his household. And he actually describes three kinds of servant. Um, the, The faithful believer, the unfaithful believer, and the unbeliever. Verse 42, And the Lord said, Who is it then that faithful and wise steward, and, and you see, we're all stewards of God's resources. We, we don't own anything ourselves, you know, we're, whether we're believers or not, we own nothing. God has given us everything. The air we breathe is God's. The, the, whatever we own or think we own is God's. We don't take it with us. Uh, the gifts and everything are simply given to us to manage while we are here on this earth. But God is the owner and therefore one day when Jesus returns, we will um, we will give an account for how we have used the resources that He's given us to steward. So He's saying, uh, when He comes, He's going to judge us as His servants and as His stewards. Well, again, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom the, His master will make ruler over his household? Ah. This is a promise of reward to those who are faithful that will be given greater authority and glory in eternity. Uh, and he says he's gi- assigned them to give them their portion of food in due season. Verse 43 Blessed is that servant. So when the uh, w- whom is fast master will find him so doing when he comes. So when Jesus comes. If he finds you faithful, then you will, you will receive a reward. You will be blessed. Praise God. Not just with the rapture, but with eternal rewards. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. In other words, he will be very generous in his rewards. Verse 45. But if that servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming. In other words, this is someone who doesn't believe Jesus' words that he is, is coming at any time. He, he doesn't take that seriously. And he begins to beat the male and the female servants and to eat and to drink and be drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him. And at an hour when he's not aware, it's going to take him by surprise. There'll be no warnings. Uh, it'll be imminent. And he will judge him he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers." Now, what what is this saying? Uh, now, th- I, this isn't talking about physically being cut in half, but Jesus talks about his word, his being a sword of the Spirit, that he will be judged by Jesus at his return. Notice that this one, although he's in the Master's house, it, and I would say that that means he's, he's in the visible church, and he even has a role in that church. He has a ministry in that church. His, this servant shows himself to be actually an unbeliever by his abusive actions. And the way he treats other people, this is not a believer. Uh, he might claim to be a believer, but he's not actually received, he's not submitted to Christ and as a result uh, he's he's shown his his the fact he's an unbeliever by his abusive actions and so as a result he will find himself judged when Jesus returns, he won't be blessed, he'll be judged, and it will be uh, a terrible thing. He will find himself under the severe judgments of the day of the Lord. He will go along with all the other believers into the tribulation. No longer, he's no longer part of the Master's house anymore. He has now been cast out into a place of judgment, and he will go through that the tribulation and but there's hope in that because that means he will still have a short time to repent before it's too late uh, but now we come across another kind of servant in verse 47 and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes but he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few for everyone to whom much is given from him much will be required and to whom much has been committed of him they will ask the more now i've found this quite a difficult verse to interpret but this describes a different kind of servant again he's unfaithful but his sin is is of a different nature to the the previous one who was an unbeliever his sin is more omission than commission. He hasn't been going around abusing people, but he's lazy. All right, he he hasn't done what the master has told him to do. Um, he he he, and as a result, and I believe this is a believer, but and he's not cast out of the house like the other one is cast out to be with the believers and to be judged. This one is not cast out of the house. He remains a servant in the house, but um, he does suffer a temporary pain. He receives these, these lashes, as it were. Again, not physical lashes, but I believe this speaks again of Jesus' correction by in his words. Uh, when he stands before the judgment seat of Christ, we will, after the rapture, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will give an account for how we have served him and we will be judged according to what we, we should have done and we will receive corresponding reward but it won't all be oh well well done good and faithful servant it will be a searching judgment of all our works and and there will be correction in that there will be that temporary pain particularly for those who are the lazy servants now we see that in the Parable of the Talents, don't we? There's, there's quite a rebuke for the lazy servant who did nothing with the money that was entrusted for him. But it's not a permanent condemnation and casting out. Okay? It's, uh, you know, and so after the judgment seat, once our lives have been reviewed and compared to what we should have done, their lashes speak of the corrective words of Jesus. Some will get a few, some will get many. And they will sting. Particularly when we realize what you know the uh, w- the opportunities that we have missed, but then He will wipe away our, the tears from our eyes. There will be tears, but He will wipe them from our eyes, and it, we will have a glorious eternity. But we will suffer a loss of reward as well. So notice this whole parable, this whole passage reveals dual imminence. First of all, His coming to 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 is imminent, both to, to bless the church and, and to judge and to judge it uh, at the judgment seat of Christ, and that, that is imminent. It could happen at any time. And at the same time, his coming where he deals with the unbelievers, by casting them into the tribulation to bring them into judgment, that is also imminent. All right, so the next teaching of Jesus is in Luke 17, and we start in verse 22. Then he said to the disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. Now this shows us that there is more than one day of the Son of Man. There are, in fact, there are two days when Christ, in some sense, will return. Uh, that's the rapture and the second coming. <clears throat> and then verse 23. He says, they will say to you, look here or look there and do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so will the son of man be in his day. And of course, this is talk about the second coming. He mentions this first because that's what they already know about. Because the second coming, what we call the second coming, it's a theological term that we use, his coming in power and glory, is revealed in the Old Testament. All right, so they already knew about the Messiah's coming in power and glory. So he mentions that first before he mentions his other coming, which we would call the rapture, because that was not revealed in the Old Testament. That was part of the mystery that was only revealed through Christ and the Apostles. All right, so <clears throat> he, having de- declared the second coming and described it, he then goes back in time to the start of the church age. He says, but first, he, the Son of Man, must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation of Israel. And then Jesus moves forward to the end of the church age, and he compares it to the days of Noah before the flood. Verse 26, And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Well, the flood was a worldwide judgment of God that came upon all believers. As such, it is a type, a picture of the tribulation, which all believers will, unbelievers rather, will have to endure. In this passage, the flood is described as coming suddenly, when life is just going on as normal on the earth. No, you know, eating, drinking, marrying, giving marriage. Nobody, everyone's clueless as, as to what's about to happen. No warning signs. The world taken by surprise. And Jesus said it will be like that in the days leading up to his coming, his initial coming. Life will be going on as normal and then suddenly the tribulation flood will overtake them and all unbelievers will be destroyed by the end of the tribulation. However, what's different with Noah's flood is that in the tribulation they will have a final chance to repent and become believers and so be saved. And so this is saying that the coming of Christ to initiate the tribulation is imminent. Just like Noah's flood happened suddenly without warning, so so the flood is going to happen suddenly without warning, and as we're going to see, he says, in connection with that, there will be a coming of Christ to rescue His own. We'll see that as as we as we uh, read on, and so he says, so will the coming of the Son of Man be? You see, so he relates the start of the tribulation to the start of the flood, when Noah and his family were rescued. Uh, before the flood was poured out, he says, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, Jesus is going to come to rescue his own and to initiate this worldwide judgment on the earth. And so, the coming of Christ to initiate the tribulation is imminent. By the way, this is very different from the situation before the second coming. All right, what Jesus is describing here, uh, some people think he's just talking about the second coming and that the flood is what happens at the second coming. But he is saying before this flood of judgment is poured out, life is going on as normal. But before the second coming... Life is not going on as normal. The seven, all the judgments of the trumpets, the seven bowls of wrath have been poured out, the battle of Armageddon's going on. Jesus even said if he didn't return, that, that no flesh would even survive on the earth. So this is not normal life going on. And more than that, his second coming will be signposted and predictable. In fact, Daniel 12.11 actually says that from the sign of the abomination of desolation set up in the, in the Jewish temple, there will be 1,290 days before the end. So once you're at that point, you'll be able to predict exactly when Jesus will come. And so it's not imminent, you see, whereas the coming that Jesus is talking about in the rapture is imminent and it could happen at any time and it will be happen happen while normal life is going on and so we're talking about two different two aspects of the two phases if you like of the coming of Christ also notice that on the very day according to this picture of noah's ark according to this on the very same day immediately before the flood fell the believers were removed from the scene of judgment into the safety of the ark and, and that's a particular point Jesus draws out. On the very same day that Noah entered the ark, the flood came and destroyed them all. And, and so um, the, Noah and his family were, were taken into a place of safety in the ark. And the ark, uh, and, and they were lifted above the scene of the judgment above the waters of judgment and once they were taken to a place of safety the flood the waters of the flood were released and this is a picture of the church being raptured into Christ who has returned to the air for us to receive us to himself and we he is our ark of salvation we will disappear into Christ and then he will release the judgments of the tribulation and so as it was in the days of noah so it will be when Jesus comes for his church but that's different to what we call the second coming and so again we see that both his coming to rapture his own from the earth and his coming to release the judgments of the day of the Lord on the earth they are both imminent because they both happen at the same time and Jesus reinforces the fact that true believers the true believers will be removed from the earth from the scene of the judgment just before the tribulation judgments for from heaven in the next verses so he's, he's going to make this same point again and he's going to use lot and Sodom uh, instead of uh, Noah and t- give the same message though that God will remove the believers b- before the judgments are poured out in fact as soon as he's removed the believers he immediately pours the judgment out that's in verse 28 Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day, the very day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And so in the story of Lot, actually Christ, who is the angel of the Lord, and his Two other angels, actually, came to rescue Lot from Sodom before judgment was released on Sodom. And Abraham pointed this out in his prayer of intercession for Lot. It says, Abraham said it would be unrighteous of God to pour out his judgment on the righteous, and God agreed. And that's why God arranged Lot's rescue. And likewise, it would be unrighteous for God to pour out his wrath on the church, who have been justified by faith and delivered from the wrath of God, for God to pour out his wrath on them. And so, he will arrange a rescue for us by sending his son with his angels to rescue us before the judgment's fall, just as in the days of Lot, who was physically relocated from the scene of judgment. Notice again, In Sodom, life was going on as normal. They were taken totally by surprise, by the fiery judgment that suddenly came upon them so that they could not escape. And Jesus said it will be the same way when he comes. In other words, both his coming to rescue us in the rapture and His to release his tribulation judgments, they're both imminent. That's the whole picture that comes forth. They will suddenly happen without warning. That's how it was in the days of Noah. That's how it was in the days of Lot. But God rescued the believers, and then he immediately poured out his judgment. And then we'll finish by Jesus describing the rescue of the righteous, just like that he rescued Lot by taking him from the scene of judgment. I tell you, in that night there will be two men in one bed, and one will be taken, the other left. They'll be left to go through the judgment of the tribulation. Two women will be grinding together, one will be taken, and the other left. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other left. And again, this picture's imminence. People are going around their normal lives, unaware of what's about to happen, and then suddenly the believers will be rescued by the rapture. Well... Jesus is coming any time, any moment. Are you ready? Be ready. Receive Christ as Lord and live a life that is worthy of Him. God bless you. Thank you for watching. Join with us at Oxford Bible Church every Sunday at eleven a.m. Greenwich Mean Time for our live stream service, or join us at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can watch more of our teachings on our Roku channel and Derek Walker's YouTube channel. All Derek Walker's books are available in printed and Kindle versions in all Amazons worldwide or online with other great products, where you can also support our programs at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.